it would also just like you would be the person who's like, no, he's fine. I'm in control of this. <laughs> As he's just like opening up your fridge and eating steaks. And you're like, hey, those are mine. And he's like, Grr. that's it. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yours. That's <laughs> cool. Asshole. That's all right. Did <laughs> you steal my credit card to buy steaks again? I didn't buy those steaks. <laughs> you just see him in You line. don't have a job. He's in line at Heinen's <laughs> just pulling stuff off with his tentacles. <laughs> in the cart. <laughs> One can of Pringles. One! <laughs> He's, oh man, his tentacles are too big to fit in the Pringle can. <laughs> Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass, your weekly Dungeons and Dragons fix. I'm Kevin Odie. I'm Jared Bornigal. And I'm Will Milton. And we'll be hanging out with you for the next hour to talk about anything and everything D&D related. This week we're looking at the Monk Wizard Multiclass, and then later on the Displacer Beast from the Monster Manual. So we'll pull up a chair and stick around. I still can't hear the music in my head. I, I, I think there's something wrong with me. This, this is episode 19. I edit every single one of them using the exact same sample, the exact same song. But all you can hear is Magical Trevor. Yes. <laughs> Wait, we have music in our podcast? Oh, man. Uh, so this week's, we have the, uh, this week's class is the Monk Wizard. Um, monks, martial characters, uh, wizards, Full spellcasters, the spellcaster, the iconic spellcaster of D anD D. So right away, we've got uh, two very polar subjects. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts, Will? I, from a flavor standpoint, these are probably the two most dedicated classes, in my mm-hmm, opinion. Mm-hmm. There is nothing quite like them in the rest of the handbook that's like oh i just devote my life to this idea or this study or whatever they are mechanically polar opposites Mm -hmm. but flavor wise i think they have very very similar themes kevin uh from an rp perspective i don't i I think it should be easy enough to pull it off there's they don't really contradict each other and as will just said they're too dedicated classes they require a lot of dedication so you have an individual who's willing to dedicate to something so they could delicate dedicate to the teachings of monks monkhood whatever and Monkology. then <laughs> and then to the arcane arts with being a wizard right uh, mechanically i think there's a lot of traps um i, I think it will it, it's going to be tough there, there's ways right. to do it but it i think you're kind of really narrowed down of what would be viable mechanically right right and i mean right off the bat even you've got uh three uh stats that you need to have at oh, 13 yeah. so that's uh int dex and wisdom which is terrible no yeah it's, it's not <laughs> a good crossover at all um but the the number one thing that i'm thinking of is just how cool it is because <laughs> the idea of a monk just uh jumping into the middle of battle and shooting out spells uh just sounds super badass i'm just imagining a muscle wizard um first off no <laughs> doesn't matter I right, the muscle wizard's great, but I will say, you know how cool it would be if a monk could just jump into the battle and start shooting out spells, is how we got in the way of the four elements, which is arguably <laughs> the worst subclass in the game. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fair, but uh, they also suck because their spellcasting is garbage, and wizards have the best spellcasting. So yeah, this is... the. The uh, yeah, this is you making up for wizard's failure. It's like I want a spellcasting monk. Yeah. Oh, here's a spellcasting monk. Not that. Right. So yeah. You I, can make your own. That's 
the or best can part, you? The only issue is that a lot of the monk subclasses uh, really do specify what the dedication is to, and so it, it kind of makes it difficult. Like I, I don't see a shadow monk uh, crossing over with any of the wizard stuff because those are very like dedicated illusion, to, illusion kind work. of. Which oh oh like the, the illusion Ill- subclass, yeah, uh, yeah, kind of. I guess it, it's just dealing with subterfuge and sneaking around and infiltration and illusion magic. Yeah, I guess that's one of the nice that. things about wizards is just the fact that they have, I don't even know how many subclasses off the top of my head, but for one for every school of magic plus war magic. So they've got... And blade oh, singing. Right, which is in which book again? DMG? Uh, Skag. Sword Skag. Coast Adventure Guy, and we don't <clears throat> use it too much. No, and there's don't. 11. 11 subclasses. Yeah, yeah that's... A lot. Too many. <laughs> yeah, and not counting UAs. Right. Well, I mean, the, the wizard subclasses are always... Actually, no, 10 not counting UAs. I'm sorry, I have it up in D&D Beyond. They just kind of put the UAs in with it. The, right. the school of invention. I don't it's remember Kind one. of a weird UA. I, we don't, since we don't do UAs here, I just skipped it, but... Right. Kind of a... Were they just like trying to make a, a artificer, almost? Sort of, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I, I remember reading when it came out, and then obviously no, none of us ever played it, and then reading back through everything and just skipped it, so I don't know much on it. I oh. remember thinking it was kind of neat, but yeah. a little over the top. UAs, you know. Yeah. They're cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so mechanically, I think the best play is to mainly focus on Monk with a dip into Wizard. Right. They, they could get a lot. They stand, If you do two levels into Wizard, you, they really stand and get a lot. They get, I think, eight first-level spells known. Because they start out with six known, and then right. they level up to two, and that's an additional two, mm-hmm. plus three cantrips. Right. So that that's a lot of versatility. Like a monk with shield and absorb elements is fantastic. Yeah. Then pick utility spells and stuff like that. And then some cantrips like firebolt or um, I, I think wizards, you could even get told to dead. And just so you have some ranged magical options. So the cantrips, uh, one thing to note, they, they will not scale with your total. Uh, that's true. That will always stay low. So... Maybe go utility cantrips, yeah. but why do cantrips not? Sc- I thought they just scaled with your level in total. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it is character level. Is it? Is it? It's not spellcaster level. It's character level. Today we reveal that Will is a big dummy. Oh. But he says things so confidently. I initially agree, and I actually, dummy I really hate that ruling. I always hated that ruling. Eh, I mean, it just makes it so that they don't just get completely left behind. Yeah, yeah. especially if you multi-class, like two spellcasters, a sorcerer and a bard. They're both charisma casters. Kind of makes. It would be kind of crappy if their cantrips were always crappy. Yeah. Yep. And then especially where they have like um, firebolts, pretty sure matches up between the, I mean, I'm sure there are cantrips between like the the two that would match up and that's like, all right, what, what class took that cantrip? What level is the cantrip? And just, it's clear to do it on character level. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so with the two level dip, they would, they would get all those spells, which is really great. And then. Um, arcane recovery so so essentially they would get four spell slots because they get arcane recovery where on a short rest they could restore half of their wizard level and spells so an additional first level spot um and then their first arcane tradition so the, the first ability of whatever subclass they pick and there's a lot of good ones yeah. especially like divination like you get portent at level two it is but i i think divination to me it just feels like completely against the monk idea <laughs> it just doesn't fit at planning all. for the future <laughs> Not planning for the future, seeing into the future. Yeah, the plan. I, I, I could see I it fitting. See, like if you play it like they're 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 very contemplative. Their meditative state gives them glimpses into the future. 
to be able to plan and act accordingly. They have such wisdom that it... I but it's not from wisdom. That's the entire point of it being through from the intelligence, wizard. technically. <laughs> yeah, All I right, mean, it, shut up. It, it, but it is. It's saying that they derive their powers through study. It's not from being so spiritually connected to the world. I don't know. It just. It, it feels I, I, weird. I guess like raw as as written in the player handbook and everything. Sure, but to just say it's because their meditative state is they're so wise in their meditative state they get a glimpse into the future, like. That's not breaking anything. It's not a mechanical thing. It's just a role play refluff. Well, it will be tough because wisdom is not going to be able to be that high. I don't no. see it getting that high to start. Yeah. Because we need dex as a main stat for the monk. Uh, and then we need intelligence as the spellcasting modifier. Though, as you were saying, the intelligence kind of being the, uh, not the dump stat maybe, but just less important because we're trying to keep it from being any spells that rely on that spellcasting modifier. Yeah, try and take utility Utilities. spells, spells that just happen. Right, right. Not like shield and absorb elements, fog cloud, and then right. like, you can do like detect magic for utility. Yeah. I think Featherfall is a first level spell. That's all good. Stuff I like feel that. like it, Featherfall would be a waste for a moment. Oh, you're right. It, it would, yeah. Totally is. <laughs> sure. Unless you're using they have on, that ability to lower their fall damage. Unless you're using it on somebody yeah. else. And, and just to back up real quick, important, I, I, just because I, I know we try and do a quick description of the abilities we mm-hmm. didn't know that one important and why i love it so much is it's a second level wizard ability you get if you go um divination divination thank you where when you after long rest you roll 2d20 and set them aside and then at any point throughout the day the adventure day you could just choose to swap out a roll of one of those yours and allies or an enemy so you're you need an enemy to really fail that hold person save and you had a one roll give it to them you need the paladin to really give a quick crit there crit and you have a 20 roll give it to them and they just automatically get it roll a 10 uh oops that's it <laughs> yeah middle of the road a little yeah son of a bitch that's that could still be useful though no. like if you know someone has there's it's still a really clutch moment and yes. they have a high skill bonus to something you know a 10 is gonna bump them up to 20 you, you know, need them yeah. to hit. You know that the AC is fifteen. They have a plus seven. Okay, cool. Yeah, take there the time. Yeah, yeah, we'll guarantee yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. There's really no bad amount. Just knowing what the role is, you can yeah. determine it. Um, but I, yeah, I'm I'm still. I, I don't love the idea of a a divination Sim monk. monk. <laughs> it what? Just feels gross. <laughs> just feels gross. <laughs> I think I think it actually works perfectly. Um, with Kevin's flavor thing is. Just, just that completely ignoring the raw. <laughs> that entombment with the universe, where you're so in tune, you understand what's going to happen, right? Did happen, and what's happening now? Yeah, I mean, when you phrase it with, like that way, it seems really important. But those last two, almost everybody, uh, everybody can do that. That's that's fair. Um, so yeah, divination is fine, and divination is just a fantastic wizard subclass mm-hmm. because of portent. I love it. Um, the other one that I was kind of thinking, and there's really no big reason for it, is just abjuration. Um, I, I know you guys scoff immediately. Abjuration <laughs> sucks, but I just looking through the the wizard. No, it doesn't suck. I, I just it's it's good. But I um, know you, you just always seem to go back to it. I know, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's all. it's mostly just because it just makes you a little bit more tanky in this case. Not tanky. You can just take yeah. more damage. Yeah. Um, and that's really it. There's I, I just. You know, necromancy doesn't make any sense for this. Uh, transmutation, I, I don't really see that layering over I, it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, you said illusion, maybe with the the shadow monk, right? Yeah, okay, but I, can I mean, see it. then mechanically illusions, you're not getting a whole bunch of really that one's great weak stuff out of the gate. 
later on when, when you could um like illusory reality where you can make an illusion real for a certain amount of time that's a fantastic ability but it's not to level 14 so when we're talking multi-class it's like it's an actual play it's probably not gonna come up much i haven't looked at the school of illusion level two skill in a while and that's that's awful it's a really really awful one it's great role-playing wise it's um you learn the minor illusion cantrip great uh, and when you cast it uh, you can make a sound and an image with a single casting of the spell. There's yeah, tons of uses for it. I understand that. But like compared to something like evocations, which I know is, is just universally a good one, but I just, that's so limited. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I, it depends on the campaign you're playing. Does it, does it actually, if I guess if, if you're not doing a heavy combat campaign, more like an espionage, a political campaign, how many? I don't I, know. I, I, I agree, but like, how many people play campaigns like that? I don't know. Let's like zoom what back I've gathered, and pretend I'll say we have this like zero. huge political campaign where it's critical. We have an illusion that can make sound. <laughs> <or not>. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. You're right. A political campaign, no. Um, more like an espionage type. No, the only and thing I underhanded can think of is sneaky if crap. you're like some kind just of get a creative with traveling it. theater troupe and you really need. <laughs> That sound and image going. There we go. Yeah, that could be a campaign. That's like your one trick pony. It's yeah. like one trick pony wizard. <laughs> well, and then older spells and you know, really what makes a wizard a wizard. But still, that le- that level two ability is such crap. <laughs> no, it's not that great. I I would just put in an argument out there for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, none of the school of illusion is is useful in combat. I mean, I haven't gotten to, to 10 yet, but six, you just can change the uh, the illusion after if, if the duration of the spell is longer than a minute. So you can change your illusion a little bit. You're telling me I took six levels in this just so I can change my illusion without casting it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. it, it again, it all just, of it builds up to this character that is just devoted towards one very, very, very useless thing. I it just Again, it just depends on the campaign. I'll, I'll read stuff online of people being getting away of crazy stuff with illusions. I, I think we're always a little more strict about it for for whatever reason, just kind of how we are, where we sort of take this reasonable, where are the the NPCs and the enemies kind of have like a disbelief in things, and so they they don't necessarily just full blown wholeheartedly go into these illusions. Where sometimes you'll have DMs where they will they they. You know, groups that think it's great for everyone to get tricked by these illusions all the time. And they just kind of go with it. But there's rules in place for that where, like, they have to Sometimes. roll. Most of the time, though, it's like, you know, just a perception check against their spellcasting. Yeah. Or, or a lot of times it's they could take an action to make an intelligence check to determine if it's an illusion. We will have our NPCs and enemies make take that action. Others won't. It just. Yeah, I guess if a giant purple worm just, like, showed up. 50 feet from me i'd be like hey i don't really think that's possible <laughs> just like, and, and then others will say this, the magic of the spell clouds their mind and not think that and they just go with it it's that's it, also it's kind of really ambiguous. bad play you know like <laughs> evolutionary speaking like that's how you die in a comedic horror movie it's like there's obviously not a purple worm <laughs> patting it oh <laughs> <laughs> but i think we have actually had pretty bad experiences in the past just like Minor illusion is, it should not be a big, bad, evil guy killer. No, no. But especially if your DM lets it be, it can be. Actually, as written, minor illusion, I think people are more lenient with it. 
It's a fi- an object that fits in a five-foot cube. It's static. You cannot change it. It cannot make sounds. Or it could just be a sound, one or the other. Any interaction with it immediately makes it kind of fade so they could see through it. So there's that's not going to be a big, bad, evil guy killer. That's why um, I know when we first, like way back in like 3.5, Will, when we played with um, Dave and all them, it was... I, I had a wizard that had minor illusion, and we abused the hell out of it. <laughs> I don't remember yeah. the exact wording back in 3.5, and then we brought it into the playtest pack of D&D Next. But I'm sure we were, it was similar to what it is now. And so I would be doing stuff like scaring off bandits by minor illusioning, like a red dragon coming down, and just a bunch of crazy shit like that. And oh, that and that worked great, but we we weren't playing. Right? Yeah, my right. favorite is I minor illusion a bucket over the guy's head. It's like, <laughs> no, stop! No, you can't do. I that. I did that with a smoke cloud once. <laughs> oh, again, back in three point five was yeah. So yeah, I think we we did get kind of burned when we became rule mongers about <laughs> uh, the entire idea of illusions. I'm sorry, and us rule mongers, <laughs> us rule mongers. <laughs> and then when we moved from that group and started playing with the you know, Jared in, there was other people we had we had a completely another dm at the time that we don't play with uh he was really strict on illusions he clearly did not want to be seen as getting the someone getting the better of him and the illusions always failed no matter what and i think that just kind of tainted our view on them to be honest like thinking back on it <laughs> there's got to be a middle ground somewhere yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, I've had people try and use um, things like Minor Illusion for stuff that I know in, like, more lenient campaigns people would be fine with. But it's stuff that I'm just like, well, that's just not how the rules work. Like, I had, mm-hmm. I had uh, my group try and do, uh, oh, we're going to Minor Illusion 10 gold and give it to them. And then later they'll find out it's not real. And I'm like, nope, doesn't work. Second that it's touched, no, yeah. phew, gone. But so, can't actually Transmutation Wizards do that? Uh, transmutation Wizards? Uh, they can do minor alchemy. Yeah, they can kind of do that. I don't know if they can. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, well, then the 14th level illusion wizard, they can by four. Yeah, um, weaving magic, blah, blah, blah. When you cast an illusion spell first level or higher, so you can't do it on minor illusion, which is a cantrip. You can choose one inanimate non-magical object that is part of the illusion and make the object real. You can do it on your turn as a bonus action. It remains real for one minute. Transmutation can explicitly turn one thing into another thing. Okay, so you can take a bunch of no, no, for ten minutes. Uh, so you can make a bunch of wooden nickels into gold and then pay somebody. That's fine, but that's that's yeah. a very short-lived strategy for getting through something. You know? Definitely. And yeah. what, what level is that? Is that the level that's two, two one? That's okay. level two. It's, but that's, that's oh, minor fine. alchemy. Yeah, okay. yeah. But that's like its thing. I would yeah. totally allow that. Minor illusion is a cantrip. Just, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. <laughs> Minor illusion, a static pile of 10 gold. <laughs> Here's your gold. No, don't touch it. <laughs> just We're just going to leave it on the table and walk away. And then once we close the door, the deal's done. <laughs> Hope this doesn't have any ramifications. As an experienced businessman, this, this seems pretty legit. <laughs> Can it even do a pile of gold or does it have to be a single cohesive object? Can, um, it, a mine, can you mine an illusion of one gold, not a pile? I don't know. I think I'd let the pile of gold. It's minor the image of an object within range. Then you're just getting like, oh, I try and minor illusion a bowl of rice. Uh uh uh. Each grain you is one thing. One rice. <laughs> you have yeah, to, it says yeah, an image of an object. So yeah. the object is a pile of gold. Exactly. Sure. That's just getting a little, little too strict. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> man, we've completely got off monk wizard though. I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. It is what we do. Facilitate conversations with multi-class discussion. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, so one of the the first things that I 
kind of thought was a, a big problem uh, is a whole benefit to being a monk is the unarmored defense, uh, which for that it's 10 plus your dexterity plus your wisdom modifier creates your AC. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, with the wizard and needing int, it's going to be a lot harder to get wisdom up. Uh, we talked about, okay, intelligence becomes the dump stat. Now we have wisdom. That's like the only way that we're going to get AC any higher. Otherwise, well, you're going to have you get to get 16. Do... If you meet the minimum right, requirements right, for right. a class, 13 dex, 13 wisdom, 13 int, you're going to have 16 AC, which no, is no, fine. No. That would be 12. The minimums where you're at oh, talking, that's, yeah, that's a never plus mind. one modifier. You're right, you're right, you're right. right. Wait, 13 is plus one? Uh, that would it's be, plus two. That is plus two. Sorry. Okay, so you'd have 14, which isn't that great for a monk. For a monk, you definitely want a, a little bit higher. So we're talking about, you know, you've got 16, which gives you a ability score modifier of uh, plus three. And then maybe you can get wisdom to 16 as well. Great. Now you've got 16 and it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just not great. You're, you're making a lot of sacrifices all around. Um, and, and that's just right out the gate. One that you're going to have to make is, are you going to have a good AC so that you can actually do your monk stuff correctly and just have crappy spellcasting ability modifier for a while or yeah. forever. And yeah. yeah, I mean with that, yeah, sure. You can just do utility spells. Um, I, I don't think that's a terrible idea. Wizards get tons and tons of utility spells. Wizards uh, get, they get all spells. everything. They get, they get so many spells. So you're, you're really not gimping yourself too much. Um, it, it just depends on what type of wizard you want to be. If you want to be an evocation wizard, you're probably going to have a super low AC. Yeah. So that way you can do your evocation stuff. Also, we're all dumb. I, we should really know this at this point. So this was kind of an embarrassing mistake. 13 is plus one. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 10 to 11 is zero. 12 to 13 is one. 14 to 15 is two. You we guys we know this. Me. I don't. You guys don't are know. killing me. So much to keep in our heads. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gaslighting Garrett. <laughs> My name's Garrett now? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Your name's always been Garrett. <laughs> yeah. He has in Garrett. Yeah. Um, an obvious, I think, subclass choice is blade singing. So, oh, wait, why is that obvious, Kevin? Okay, because it makes the wizard focus on more melee being up in the middle of the fight. So, a, like a um, monk with a dip into blade singing would still be pretty good. So, two level dip, you're still going to get your six or eight, whatever it is, uh, first level spells, the four. Three spell slots plus the recovery, your cantrips, and then you get blade song, um, which you get at level two. So as a bonus action, you start your blade song. You you just can't have medium or heavy armor or use a shield, and you can't use a two-handed weapon, which is generally going to be fine for a monk. And then when it's up, you gain a bonus to your AC equal to your intelligence modifier. Your walking speed increases by 10 feet. You have advantage on acrobatics checks. And you gain a bonus to your con saving throws to maintain your concentration. This really feels like it has a lot of crossover with the war magic subclass from Xanathers, doesn't it? No? No? How so? um, Didn't they have something uh, with the, like, 10 feet of movement? So I know, yeah, Warcaster second level, you get Arcane Deflection, which is kind of like a poor man's shield. Oh, yeah. You can yeah, use yeah. your reaction to gain a plus two bonus to AC. to AC or plus four to a saving throw. But then you can only use cantrips until your next turn. You can't cast a spell. Well, that can be pretty good with a monk because you're yeah. probably not going to be casting yeah, a spell. Yeah, yeah, that, that was another one on my list. Yeah, for war. sorry. Yeah. yeah. 
to yeah. completely switch it. Um, tactical wit is then also the second level. So they get two, two, bleh, two second level abilities. Tactical wit being the second one, you're, you gain your um, intelligence modifier to your initiative. So that's nice. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, but then later on, you get like power surge where you could. Um, you get some power surges that you can store maximum up to your intelligence modifier. Yeah. Uh, and you can use the power surge when you deal damage to a creature or object with a wizard spell. You can spend it to deal extra force damage to the target equal to half your wizard level. Yeah. Which is pretty good, but the it, only way so to regain low. them is with counterspell and dispel magic. Yeah, and then and, the damage is so low. I, right. I really don't like it. Right. It's half like, your wizard level. It's three damage. Yeah, when cool. you get it, yeah, three damage for using third level slots. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's really mediocre. Yeah, so the first two, yeah, good, and everything else, I don't know. Durable magic, um, where you count, oh yeah, where you count straight on a spell, you have plus two bonus to AC and saving throws. I guess that's fine. That's that's good, I mean. Especially in combination with the arcane deflection, you get your AC really high. Yeah. You might need shield if you need it. It's it's good. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm just not blown away. But at the end of the day, all of the wizard subclasses never really blow me away. None of them are like, oh, wow, that's like a must pick. Just because the wizard itself is so good. You right. don't need all of the other stuff. It's nice. It's always nice. But it's not the main selling point. The fact that you just get tons and tons of spells is why you're going with the wizard. That's that's the important part. yeah exactly how what you do with the spells is really what makes it then the subclass just kind of sculpts it a little bit uh also then gives you sort of a direction flavor wise rp wise how to go about it like an evocation wizard versus a necromancer are gonna probably act pretty different right well those two are both unhinged <laughs> in my opinion but. the other thing is the uh, your subclass outside of the new ones it was always kind of the idea was the i want to be slightly better at casting this type of spell right. i want that to be cheaper but yeah the subclasses are always going to take a backseat to the core principles of the wizard but yeah the blade uh, blade singer um probably the only one that really breaks the mold on that i don't know not doing much for me yeah i think yeah. you're you're probably better off going with a uh it's once again like you've said before where these subclasses are the for people who would go, well, I want to play a wizard and a fighter multi-class. Well, let's just give them a subclass that kind of does this, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to multi-class with one of those just feels awkward a lot of times. Um, it's not bad by any means. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of strange. Double dipping, kind of. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, you also have to be an elf. You don't. Is that so, a so suggestion? So in this... Within the Sword Coast Adventure Guide, it says that this is tradition and elf-only thing, and then it says the DM could choose to lift that if it better fits your campaign. Which is kind of a strange thing to put in the rule book because the DM can actually do whatever they want. Right. Right. I, I think it makes sense <laughs> that they call that after, out, though. After every paragraph, just like, unless the DM doesn't like it, in which case, have at it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a rule book. <laughs> It makes a lot of sense they did it for this because it's not a mechanic thing. It's a flavor thing. Mm-hmm. And it's the Sword Coast Adventure Guide was written in the context of, yes, D&D, you, is, you can make your own world and all that. But if you want to play in one of our pre-written worlds, here's all this sort of detail about it. Here's this whole fighting style thing called the Blade Singer, And it's generally an elf tradition in our world. And here's all the history and the lore. But if you're just kind of grabbing the subclass to use for something else and you're, you're the DM, sure, lift the restriction. 
I really I do. Think it makes sense to clear that up. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. I really do wonder, though, if uh, have, have either of you read through the Sword Coast Adventure Guide? Not in detail. I have not like I've sat down it. and read it yeah, cover to cover. I've, I've used it for reference, but I've never read through all of it. We have run every single one of our campaigns <laughs> on the Sword There's Coast. There's not much in there. I, it really I is don't not believe it. Of, no, it's... I don't <laughs> there know. has it's, to be something. I know it was one of the earlier books, one of the earlier uh, expansion how many, lore books. It's only a few. It's like 80 pages, 90 Yeah, pages. it's not super it's long. It's short. Um, which is exactly why we should read it. It's just, I, I noticed that, um, and this is no offense to you, Kevin, the other day we were playing like in a city and we're like running through things and you're like, I don't really know what these cities have. And like, I totally understand that because every time we've run one of these campaigns, I'm like, what are these cities actually like? There's so much lore that's just right in our faces and we're like, eh, we'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> we got rules it's, to memorize. <laughs> with um, with that, so I, I know you're not like, calling me out so soon but in my defense regardless um it's because it was a one session thing yes we were spending one session in Baldur's gate and moving on it's like i'm not gonna read through a book totally totally understandable but when like i you know i've run again two campaigns now on the sword coast more or less uh like by now i feel like i should know a lot more about it beyond just you know we're going to a city so i look up the lore for that specific city and then okay i know a little bit i know there's a giant tree in the middle cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah are there lawyers in the city i didn't read that man (laughs) (laughs) sure actually in the sword coast adventurer guide technically the practice of law has left it shut up man (laughs) uh yeah no i I actually remember the uh sword coast adventure guide more than half of it is dedicated to like groups Mm -hmm. of people the lord's alliance and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and yes so i do i read it long time ago and a lot of it really does not come up unless you really need to flavor these particular groups. I say that it comes up a good amount and you can do a much better job as a DM if you're playing the pre-written campaigns. In your homebrew ones, yeah, you're right. It's probably not going to come up that much. But like right now, I'm, you know, running Waterdeep Dragon Heist and Zentarm and the Xanathar's guilds are, or not guilds, gangs are uh, super apparent. I don't really know that much about them. To me, they're just gang one and gang two. But <laughs> I'm sure there's entire... Oh, yeah stories on on why they're different and how they operate differently how they think differently and they played a big role in lost minds and they uh Mm -hmm. in the sequel campaign a lot of people don't know this princes of the apocalypse was actually kind of a sequel campaign oh uh because it takes place in a similar area and with similar intrigue okay but with the big bad evil guys coming out that had a lot of hey these guys are the lord's alliance these guys are the zentarum stuff like that yeah um that's a spoiled too much for you guys but in out of the abyss it's going to come up too okay yeah yeah that's coming up here so now you know exactly where to get some info on them if you want (laughs) also the out of the abyss book does a good job good diving into at least to know enough for the campaign but right but yeah it's you're right we're especially because now we're on the surface taking a break from the official campaign doing sword coast stuff right i should probably yeah dive into it a bit more right and or just say fuck it and make it up that, and that's <laughs> totally fine too there's there's zero issues with yeah. that um i personally like when running stuff always feel good when i can be like ah like i'm actually doing this correctly because like i took the time to look it up <laughs> but that's you know i'm proud of that see i kind of more I, like looking at the map and all right you're going here and it's called this and this is what's <laughs> around it so it's blank yep it's yeah yeah like oh that's an agricultural place so yeah. you know it's yeah, that, and that's that's fine yeah say there's nothing wrong with that except for i'm sure you could poke a lot of plot holes into things if you really start sitting down 
Yes. Like, all right, so you said that that was an agricultural place, but the, the mountain over here would create a rain shadow. <laughs> so we wouldn't really get much direct sunlight. There's no roads here. Yeah. How are they how are they shipping out? You're telling me that they're just they're just have an abundance of food that's just rotting every single year? Really? <laughs> Do you think that one through? Uh, it doesn't rot because the rain shadow doesn't allow yeah. anything to Or grow. does a rain shadow mean a shadow from rain as it doesn't rain? No, a rain shadow is when the mountain like prevents you like, right. creates a desert. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're okay, right. so it's too much. I said it rain too much and there's no sun. It's the opposite. It's too much sun and no rain. Yeah. Not that it matters for this. It doesn't, no. <laughs> but so I, I do now wonder what the weather patterns are like in uh in Faerun. If are they west to east? Like what's Ooh, are you how does this work? I I'm yeah, I'm serious. Obviously they're west to east. Why is that? Yeah, where does the sun rise? Is there a sun? <laughs> there's like are there three suns? I don't know. That happens in fantasy worlds. Yeah. I don't know. I found out the last... Plot twist. It's never been daytime in <laughs> Faerun. <laughs> I didn't find out until three months ago that they go off of a 10-day, not seven-day weeks. Oh, the calendar is such a waste of time. <laughs> it's not. It's so simple. It's literally just 10-day, 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 10-day. <laughs> it sounds like Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. But uh, yeah, it's that's it. And it's like 30 days in a month, three months in a season. It's really simple. It's stupid. It's, they should it's, have random day, <laughs> random months of days every month. <laughs> <laughs> that changes every year yeah every year <laughs> yeah the, the lords of all these factions get together and roll some dice and <laughs> that's the new calendar yeah all right everybody learn this if you get it wrong you're going to be put to death sorry <laughs> leap years are kind of cool but i would prefer if february had a different amount of days every year <laughs> february is 93 days this year guys oh crap <laughs> <laughs> I only have to pay my rent once. Woo! <laughs> Shit, I only get paid twice. Woo! <laughs> uh, um, I don't think we've talked much about any monk subclasses that are particularly cool. It, any of them would work. It doesn't... Besides Way of the Four Elements, because double dipping, and it's dumb. Yeah, yeah. okay, um, you're right. I would say that one... <laughs> Doesn't Does really Kensai work. Monk, just, like... No. It not does, really. It's not that it works poorly. It's, as you say, like, it works. But I just right. feel like, again, Kensai Monk is like... If you want to be a Kensai Monk that can cast a handful of spells? Sure. It I works. Yes. Why would you want to do that? I Ugh, I hate it. Wave the open it's, hand. Yeah. Just because wave the open hand is great. That's it. Um, Shadow Monk, we said, yeah, yeah. On, in the I, right I circumstances. Would say, I would say Kensai Monk is not any worse than any of the other ones. Pretty much all of them are focused around martial prowess and all that. This one, it's just specifically on weapons instead of unarmed attacks or shadowy sneak attacks or whatever. I think if a player came to me with a Kensai wizard multi-class, I'd just call them greedy. And that's basically it. See, I, I would take it as the same <laughs> flavor as Eldritch Knight. But, but monk. Yeah. Yeah. Still calling them greedy. I'll well, let them do it. Why greedy? Because it's it just... Does, nothing about it sounds broken to me. No, 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 no. No, not broken at all. It's just flavor-wise, you're just pulling from too many things. <laughs> you just need to just calm down a little bit. I want to be a monk. Okay. Who used weapons? Uh, sure. Monk weapons? No, all weapons. All right. I guess you can be a kind And I also want spells. It's like, oh, okay. You really... Yeah. Okay. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's fine, but, you know, you just got to lock it. You're not willing to uh, sacrifice various uh, elements of other classes. Like, I want to be able to cast spells and use all weapons. Well, you probably should not have chosen a monk, but you do you, bud. <laughs> yeah. Um... Drunken Master might be hard to justify. <laughs> that one is flavor-wise probably a little bit harder to justify than the rest. Yeah. If you take it quite literally and they're drunk all the time and that kind of looseness from it is what, you know, they, they lean into it quite literally to, you know, for that combat prowess. I think I, I 
there's no rules. I don't think there's any rules saying you, you can't cast spells well and inebriated, but no. <laughs> I just, roleplay-wise, it's find that hard to pull so, off. So, roleplay-wise, it actually doesn't, like, besides the fact that you get proficiency in Brewer's Kit, um, it actually doesn't really talk about you being drunk in any manner. It's just your fighting style. It is a fighting style to be a drunken master. You fight like you're drunk. You don't have to be a drunk. You could be a drunken master who abstains from alcohol or any... Any liquor. I know. Yeah. It's, it's, you're not wrong. And a lot of times people are going to see drunken master. Cool. He's a drunk monk. And that's fun. That's fine. It's not a big deal. But it's also not necessary by any means. Their flavor, yeah. though, is that they are kind of goofballs. Yes. Yeah. That's they, yeah. They're kind of opportunist. <laughs> they yeah, take advantage of things when they come up. They move erratically. And you're right. That, that, yeah, and like that, I struggle to line it up with the um, studious individual who mm-hmm. spends their free time studying magic, memorizing spells, and the very precise incantations and hand gestures to cast them. I will 100 oh man, drunken hand signs. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> that I will 100% agree with. That is fine. Um, just mainly on the you know, casting spells while drunk. I don't know. That feels weird. That I, you know, not worried about that. Um, but no, it, that makes a lot of sense. They are erratic in behavior, and I think that goes totally against how a wizard should be. Um, and that's why I like the rest of the monks, is because, as Will said in the opening there, like, they're all just, these are both classes that take lifelong dedication, and the idea of being dedicated to the three pillars of mind, body, and spirit, that's a monk, just right out the gate. And now you're adding in the fact that they study the arcane arts? Perfect. I think, honestly, it's... I don't know. It's it's pretty cool. Mechanically speaking, though, I don't think we found a single thing that really meshes well. Just some areas where they don't step on each other. No, you're going to yeah. be a full-time monk with uh, support spells. Yeah, was, um, yeah. Yep. that's what I was This is one of those in. things. I We're being lazy pieces of shit a little bit. But there are probably spells that would make a lot of sense for a monk to have, even at low levels. Well, yeah. I mean, you said shield. Um, at, at higher levels, haste. Things like that were... You're extremely good at, at buffing yourself or, or others. Uh, those are all great. Any concentration spell is going to be fine. Not any concentration. That's no. such a broad thing to say. Sorry. Um, just any <laughs> Literally any, spell. any <laughs> concentration spell. Opens just up having the spell concentration. Book. Like that's, that's all that's, that matters. That's 75% of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, but just any any spell that you know is is not specifically focused on doing damage, like battlefield control spells are going to be good. It's... It's fine. You just get a lot. Yeah, you yeah. have a crazy amount that you can do with just the wizard spell book. Oh, for sure. When did they get second level spells? Is that like four? I think. Um, it's pretty early on. I think it's third level. Third, yeah, third, third level they get right. second. Uh, fifth yeah. level they get third. Yeah. So it's pretty early. Yeah, but then that's... I, I think if you go too far into wizard, then you're really just kind of watering down both. Yes. I I would be hard pressed to go beyond level two, mean, meaning you're stuck at first level spells. But still, there's plenty there: charm person, uh, detect magic, disguise self, expedious retreats, find familiar always could be useful. Fog cloud, grease. Part of me wants to argue that just for haste, it's worth going to fifth level. <laughs> just, no, no. Have someone else off, just no. haste you? No, no. Also, no. <laughs> the haste. monk does not get that much out of haste. Yeah, they get one extra yeah, unarmed really attack. I mean, they, right, they already attack right. a bunch. They're, yeah, individual attacks aren't strong. Oh, you're um, right. In terms of cantrips, um, what are you guys' thoughts on Booming Blade and Green Flame Blade? The two kind of melee-focused cantrips for wizards. It just needs a weapon attack, right? Yeah, they could do it. So that so, seems pretty good. You can you get some 
locking down enemies, which is nice. Yeah, or green flame blade in kind of an AoE melee attack, but, in a sense. But can you use your flurry of no, blows? Because it's it, you, yeah, you cast a cantrip, and as part of the cantrip, you make a weapon attack. Uh, flurry of blows and like the open hand techniques that says after you make the attack action. Perfect. Okay, so, that's clear. Yeah. Um, yeah. That seems like it's gonna <clears throat> like I, it's it, not I, gonna scale very well. Yeah. But it does give you well, okay. I was gonna say it gives you an opportunity to like, you know, run away or whatever, but I mean you can just disengage for a key yeah. if you really want that. You got step of the wind if right. you need to move around the battlefield. Um green flame blade, what does that do again? I know booming blade is if they move yeah. they take extra. Hold damage. Now. Uh so it it hits other mm-hmm. ones around it. Um Yeah, you make the melee weapon attack against one creature within melee range on a hit, the target suffers attacks normal damage, and green flame fire leaps from the target to a different creature of your choice that you could see within five feet the second creature takes fire damage equal to your spell casting ability modifier um so but then at fifth level so class level the melee attack deals an extra 1d8 fire damage to the target and the fire damage to the second creature increases 1d8 plus your spell casting ability modifier i mean that one's not bad yeah i think um with with booming blade and we've discussed this ad nauseum of which one is better really neither of them they're both pretty good Mm -hmm. i feel like but uh booming blade it's more about locking down the enemy making sure they stay where they're at they don't chase you whatever um green flame blade is kind of more in line with the monk in my opinion just on like damaging multiple people making more attacks that's uh, maybe abstract but that's how i'm viewing it i I think that'd be good it wouldn't be a, a bad addition it's a cantrip so it's not a, right a, i i would take that over taking something like uh i don't know firebolt right like, you're not going to get much out of firebolt sure you've got a ranged attack yeah. now but it'd be still nice to have it but right right but uh yeah either of them i think would actually be a good choice both of them would not be a good choice right um beyond that i mean any utility cantrips are, are always going to be good a mage mm-hmm. hand why not it's always good to have a mage hand yeah have we ever actually used Mage Hand? Not anymore, but we've, I think, discussed this, where Mage Hand kind of falls out once uh, once it gets abused, the DM kind of puts the hammer down real quick, <laughs> where it's like, oh, I pull the lever from 30 feet away, it's, there's an explosion, it's 35 feet, everyone make a dex check, stop that shit. <laughs> I, and I, when we did bring this up, you said, well, sometimes you have to let them win. Correct. Sometimes you do have to let the players win. Uh, not every time, though. <laughs> Yeah, that was that does get really obnoxious when every single action, everybody in the party backs up as far as they can. It's like a five minute conversation. Are we as far back as we can? Yes. <laughs> All right, we you, mage you... hand the door open. It's a tavern. <laughs> Stop. All right. All right, Rogue, go check for traps. <laughs> it's full of people. You can see them. They might be decoys. <laughs> Detect magic. <laughs> Any other thoughts on Monk Wizard before we move on? No, I, I think we've just about covered it um, beyond getting into spells and, and what the most optimal one will be. Uh, but it's cool. It's a cool class. That's it. Yeah. Got a lot of options. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to cast spells as a monk? This is probably the best option when you have to look at the way of the four elements. It, it, yeah. I, I really, <laughs> this, is, this is your alternative. You're never going to get high level stuff, but I don't know. I don't think I would personally ever play this, um, but I, I wouldn't be upset with somebody playing it, that's right. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we judge things now. How much it upsets us that somebody else is having fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Kevin, any right. last thoughts on your end? No. No. All right. We're gonna move on to Monster of the Week. Let's do it. This week's monster is the king of the cast, the Displacer Beast, a shadowy creature from the Fey Wild. They lean evil, and their love is essentially limited to killing. They have been mostly tamed, so this is a great companion to your big bad evil guy who might kind of err on the side of a generic villain. If you remember Ozymandias from uh, Watchmen, he basically had a displacer beast. It's yeah. a great, scary, ooh, kind of cute, but he's going to rip your face off, uh, mini boss. Um, they, not the toughest thing in the world, but they do have enough bite to take out most uh, low-level parties if you're not careful. So what do you guys think about the displacer beast? Well, first off, they're really cool. Uh, love their art. And that's... Uh, yeah. Very iconic. I'm yeah. I would say we haven't played in like the real old editions, but I got the impression these guys have been around for a long time. Everyone just seems to know them. I knew what a displacer beast was before I even played D and D. Yeah. I didn't even know why. It was, I think it's <laughs> I think it's just instinct. Yeah. Well, just, we did grow up in Northeast Ohio. There's a lot of displacer beasts. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, overall they're a cool um they can be like a, a weird random encounter. Um just from like they, they do mention yeah. that they just kind of roam around the material plane. They were chased out of the Feywild, so right. a lot of them are just kind of hanging around. Um, one thing yeah. that I thought was cool is they're extremely intelligent, um, though their intelligence modifier doesn't really reflect that. They're still an animal, but six for an, a monster is pretty good, or a yeah. beast. Um, <clears throat> but they mentioned that they like will watch caravans, yeah, uh, which I think is is kind of cool. They yeah. know when to attack, stuff like that. Uh, it gives you a lot of versatility with mm-hmm. how you use them. You mentioned having them as a companion to a, a big bad evil guy. And with that, I mean, you can scale however much you want. He's got a displacer beast. He's got five displacer beasts because, <laughs> I don't know, fight. Big bad uh, <laughs> evil cat lady. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Hags with displacer beasts. And No, no, no. Nagpa. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back right from the start. He's uh, got their displacer beast from the Nagpa. Oh, um, no, I mean, they, they're interesting. Uh, a lot of these low challenge rating monsters are, uh, varying amounts of hit points and damage per round. Uh, these at least have some mechanics that, uh, need to be figured out, which I mm-hmm. like a lot. Uh, that is the displacement, uh, is one of them. Uh, the displacer beast projects a magical illusion, makes it appear to be standing near its actual location. Uh, all attack rolls have disadvantage on it. Um, and when it's hit, it's disrupted for that turn. Uh, so that makes it like really important to, for, I guess, kind of whoever has the high initiative order to make sure they get that first hit. Uh, that way it's actually possible to right. hit. Right. Well. Also, if its speed is zero, that ability goes away. Right. So you can kind of, yeah, find ways to restrain it, root it, grab, yeah. grapple it. Actually, this would be a really good time for grapple to come into play. Definitely. This, that's can, the worst well, advice I've ever heard. Ooh. Here's a giant predatory cat. What should you do? Uh, get right up in its face and just hold on, man. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I'm going to say that if you're a lower level party, then that's a terrible idea. Yeah. Because they just hit super yeah, hard. It has, yeah, two tentacle attacks each round with a uh, plus six to hit and does 1d6 plus four bludgeoning and 1d6 piercing. So yeah, like if you're level three, that's that's rough. That's a lot. You're gonna last three rounds, maybe if you're lucky. I mean, how much health does the average level three character have? We're talking in the twenties. 
Once you're at level three, the average is just kind of all over the board. It's still around there, though. We're talking mm-hmm. low of 15, high of 30, if you're lucky. The muzzle wizard should grapple it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're, they are very strong, though. That is yes. another thing to keep in mind. They mm-hmm. have it. And this is another thing. Every physical stat they have is pretty high. Great. Yeah. I mean, 18 strength, 15 dex, 16 con. That's The AC really comes good. in at 13, which is, it seems like crap, but... When every hit is a disadvantage, right? That's uh, this actually could make a very frustrating encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially with the avoidance. It's exactly. other ability where it's basically like the rogues invasion or monks invasion, um, evasion, evasion. Oh, I thought you were saying invasion. Oh, evasion. Yeah. yeah. Okay, go ahead. Where uh, when if they if it has to make a saving throw on a AOE type attack where it would take half damage on a success, it takes no damage on a success. Right. And only half of it fails. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got something for, for everyone. Th- that's a little badass, too. It's yeah. Like, we can't hit this stupid cat. And the wizard's like, ha I got this. Burning hands. Just like, huge cone of flamethrower hell. And then the DM's like, it's unaffected. <laughs> what do you mean? It has to take half. It's like, it's unaffected. <laughs> Oof. Um, and that uh, is not tied to the displacement, correct? Correct. It's just always on. Yeah. So, even if its speed is zero, you're... If your speed's zero, you don't automatically fail dex checks, do you? No. If you're restrained, I think yes, you do. Yes, if you're restrained. That's it. Thank you. Um, so grapple. <laughs> if you just get in there and just accept that you're... Uh, grapple's whoever, not restrained. Grapple's not restrained. No. Dang it. How do you restrain somebody? Wrap them in vines? Um, you take the... Restrain action. The, yeah, the grappler feet, and then you could take an action to pin them, which restrains them, I think. Right. I think. I, I don't know. That That might be wrong. It's... The grappler feet is one of the one things that was actually, they admitted they screwed up. <laughs> what do you like, mean? There is a mechanic in there. I can't remember. It was like the size larger actually doesn't work anymore because they clarified it earlier in the book. But the feet itself was from a previous version of grapple mechanics. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, ignore that bullet point. Sorry, guys. Oh, did they fix it in any errata? <sighs> no, not really. I'll, Don't I'll- take grapple. Okay. Never grapple anything, honestly. Yeah, also, it's just, it's restraint is just a disadvantage on deck saving throws. Disadvantage? Yeah, okay. isn't there something that's an auto-fail? Paralyzed? Yeah, yeah, if you're... Um, okay, that's probably it, yeah. Yeah. Unconscious? Well. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, um, paralyzed automatically fails strength and deck saves, which makes a lot of sense. Yep. So overpowered. Paralyzed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this... It also has 40 speed, which is just great for running circles around your, your PCs. Right. Um, I mean, o- overall, this thing is is really pretty tough. 85 HP is pretty good. 10 yeah. feet reach, I uh, remember yes. it, because it is attacking with its bizarre shoulder tentacles. Yeah, <laughs> which I, I really hate the fact that it doesn't even have a claw attack. Just because why would you not add that in? Like, give it right. the option. It either makes two claw attacks or two tentacle attacks. That just seems like a total oversight. It is a little weird. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There's like, a couple things missing, in my opinion. One, the that uh, claw bite and, I think, a climb speed. Yeah, Maybe. where's the climb speed? This thing has yeah. talons. It's climbing up trees if it wants to. Heck, it can just grab its tentacles and just wrap them around a tree and just pull <laughs> it swing through up. it. Yeah. <laughs> just imagine, like basically a tiger swinging through while clawing people. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's 
it's deadly. I, I just I like the fact that as as a um, big bad evil guy's companion, uh, just throwing in one of these at a, a level eight party. I don't know. A lot of times the minions just feel like cannon fodder. This right. would be like an actual pain in the ass to fight and a, a good yeah you know easy inc- or easy thing to to throw in there. Yeah, I mean it has eighty five hit points, which is not low. Right. Um. So even at higher levels, if you're about like ten to fifteen. And uh, an appropriately challenged uh, big bad evil guy has two or three of these things. You're gonna it's, either yeah, it's gonna be a, an issue. You're gonna use a lot of resources taking it down because yeah. you're gonna use spell slots to you know paralyze it so you can actually hit it, uh, or you're gonna waste spell slots yeah. throwing AOEs at it that don't really do much. Yeah, and, or just a bunch of attacks to yeah, land a hit. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's it is a resource draining monster. Yes, and for that I I really like it. Yeah, uh, you're not gonna walk in this and just have a round of combat and be like, well, that was fun. Right. Yeah. Um, an idea of how to use it beyond that. So there's just the kind of the two obvious, a random encounter, you roll it up, you get attacked by them walking through the woods. Yeah, sure. Um, and then the big bad evil guys minion, mm-hmm. um, still well traveling. You could kind of use it to over like a course of a few days to add paranoia and just a real intensity to travel where you're being stalked by a group of these. Uh, possibly more than you could handle, but they're also being cautious because they're intelligent enough to know that you might hurt them as well. And ideally, they will be able to take one of you without anybody, any of them getting hurt. That'd be interesting. Yeah, so there's this constant thing going on. They're the perfect thing for that, to stalk your party over three, four days in the spooky woods or whatever. I think it'd be a really good way to... Um, to just kill random NPCs, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if you're traveling with a, a caravan, uh, and then somebody goes off to the bathroom, and you just hear a scream and just disappears the bathroom in the spooky forest (laughs) it doesn't have to be in the spooky forest it can be a regular forest they don't (laughs) the regular forest has regular rest stops what yeah i'm gonna go to the bathroom and get funyuns from the vending machine does anybody (laughs) want anything he means walk away from the party for decency's sake go behind a tree yes regardless of where they're going and why they're leaving you know just somebody gets split up and that's the first attack and now it's like hey where did where did John go? Yeah. You know, and or, yeah, the Displacer Beast is perfect. Right? That's that's their stated hunting tactics. Exactly. They'll get a kill. They'll drag them off and eat them in safety. Right. And, and so then using their tentacles to do so. Gross. It's just weird. I don't. It's like yeah. it, that's what I think is so weird about it. Again, going back to it not having like the claw attack or the bite attack. It's the fact that it has like six different ways to kill you because it has six arms. Uh, but it still is just like not nah, tentacles. Bam. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's another thing that you might not notice. First look it does have the bug thing going on with middle arms. Yeah. So, you know, cats would probably be a lot creepier if they had six arms. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we'd like them as much. No. They kind of would remind me of bugs. Yeah. Furry bugs. Mm-hmm. Who bite. Squish them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> don't squish cats. Kids. Don't squish cats. Nope. They have six arms, man. That thing can come at you from any angle. But then they have six little paws. And little cat paws oh, are adorable. Oh, my God. They'd be needing you. Like, oh, oh that's adorable. <laughs> Quad me. But yeah, I, I think that's really it's a great way to make travel interesting uh, without making it a bunch of different random encounters. Just one specific thing you have to deal with every day. You wake up and I don't know either at night, whatever. Like everybody needs to group up, and uh, by the end of it or at some point, the displacer beasts get extra courageous and make their their final attack to try and get you. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's actually that's the exact type of situation I would love to do and maybe i'm a mean dm where it it is more than the party can reasonably handle mm-hmm. 
and you don't have a solution. It's like, all right, they're they're an intelligent. They want to win. This is what they're going to do. If the party does absolutely nothing except for fight him at Han, it's going to be a TPK. I hope they get smart. <laughs> all right, Kevin. <laughs> Let's discuss some smart strategies for being overrun with Displacer Beast in the night. Running? Oh. Yeah. Running from predatory cats in their own turf. Uh, yeah, they also have a speed of 40, which is, you know, a specific combat thing. But, uh, yeah, okay. Well, what about, like, <laughs> setup in the night? You know, you, you have yeah, an alarm up. spell yeah. up. That way you're Traps, a bit more aware spells, of spells. Right, Things right. like that. And also, this is coming from the guy who specifically set up, like, rituals in order to have a entire zone that, you're, that your cleric casts to just be like, this is a kill zone. Anything that walks in here... We'll die. Here's my. We also had a week to plan for this. Magic Circle. Spirit Guardian. No, it was a. Magic Circle and Spirit Guardians. No, it wasn't. It wasn't Spirit Guardians. Guardian of Faith. Thank you. Guardian of Faith and Magic Circle together. So, yeah, you're telling me that you couldn't prep something? And it depends on the level, of course. Yeah, this is. All right, I'll give you this, Kevin. Like a party that does that kind of. I'm going to spend a week looking at every cleric spell, thinking about (laughs) the previous week's encounter that we have to fight again with more enemies. like yeah no i can prep for that yeah Yeah. it it was fun wasn't it yeah i had a blast with the ever-recurring revenants it's it's gonna be a a sore point for a while (laughs) (laughs) i'm just kidding i'm just kidding it was fun it was fun it took a lot of thinking um we love that stuff yeah it's that's just yeah and i'm glad you guys do and thought about it because that really was a situation like i don't have an out for you i hope you (laughs) figure this out Which is you have to be very careful with that as do. a DM you because really you can do. stack the deck to the point where there isn't an out. It, this is a very free form game, but it also has yeah. numbers behind it. And it's like, all right, ninety four displacer beast descend upon your level five party. I hope you guys thought about this. <laughs> yes, no, you're right. I, what I'm right with the revenants that multiply and return every night and all that. I, I did have ideas myself. Like, yeah, I probably depending on how you play to let that work and this work. But there wasn't like a solution. There right. was not a story element that was going to happen and come in and save you guys. Correct. And that's that's fair. Yeah. I think that's totally fine. Um, as long as you have at least mapped it out a little bit that you're like, well, if they do this, I'll, I'll probably let that happen as long. Like, that'll work, you know, as yeah. long as these events take place. Like you said, um, our, our solution to it all was Revenants. Uh, have we talked about Revenants yet? It's come up so much because it was such a talking point for no. us. Okay, yeah. so Revenants uh, are driven by a hatred. This isn't the Revenant monster of the week sorry but it's it's turned into that um driven by a hatred revenge uh usually somebody who killed them that's a big thing uh so they were coming after this woman uh and every day they were multiplying for other unrelated unimportant reasons so our solution was let her die wait a couple days after casting gentle repose on her and then revivifying her in the comfort of her own home uh you let that pass because you're like well you know that works but you said afterwards that the caveat was they need to like bring her back after a day, basically, because they checked every twenty four hours to see. If yeah, she was yeah. Alive. The revenants thing is, if you kill them, they respawn twenty four hours later and continue the hunt. So, and I couldn't find an official ruling on what happens if the target is killed and then resurrected. So, my ruling on it was: if twenty four hours later, they will check if that person's alive. If they are, they come back. If not, then they're gone for good. And you guys only had um, Revivify, which is a one-minute spell. So I thought, all right, I'll do that. And then, you, so you could kill her every night, and then Revivify, but it's going to get expensive. But you know, it's that's one way to do it. And then Will had uh, Gentle Repose. Yep. Yes. 
where it will preserve the body for 10 days and extend the limit, the time limit of any resurrection spell. So they were able to revivify her 10 days later, which solved that problem. And that's not a solution I thought of. It was in the vicinity, but yeah, that's not what I thought of. So sometimes, as long as you agree upon it with your players, it's okay to give really, really, really difficult scenarios as long as they're up to the challenge. Yeah. I and would they don't never. have counter spells. And they <laughs> <laughs> I would yeah, all these revenants were they were uh, the spell casting variety and they gave them counter spell and they were twelfth level casters, so they had a lot of it. <laughs> Kevin, you suck so much. <laughs> you guys did it though. I don't you, I know, but that was so it was obnoxious. a challenge. Yeah, you fought them head on a couple times and you won. <laughs> and then you found the solution around it, and so it was all good. Like clearly I did not overtune it. You guys survived it. I did not have to cheat anything. I did not have to fudge dice rolls. I did not have to have someone swoop in and save you. D&D 5.5, my personal edition, where counterspell is not a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Counterspell is a rough one. It it really is. Counterspell should be a once-per-day ability for certain spellcasters. How about that? I'd play that. I also hate counterspell, but it's it's just for personal reasons. I don't know. Like, it just, it ruins fun. (laughs) <laughs> i cast this awesome spell no you don't oh nope. all right well let me try again next turn no you don't oh, god damn it <laughs> well how many more of them are there uh four okay <laughs> okay cool cool uh, um in, in regards to the having some sort of solution if if death is not a thing like if it's not and this was a life or death thing so that's why i went into it having my own ideas of how it could be solved but let's say it's um having to break into somewhere and steal something where if it doesn't happen, it's not like the party dies. There's just other consequences. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of thing I would throw at and like, all right, here is all the security. This looks really tough. I don't know how I would do this. Here you go, guys. Oh, fix it. Yeah. Just hit my microphone there. I'm sorry about that, everyone. But so that's, if if death is on the line, I think the DM should have some solutions in mind. So it's not here's a hundred displacer beasts at level three party. <laughs> if it's um, if what it's did you not, figure it out, just, guys? Are you stupid? <laughs> if it's not though, if it's you'll get a benefit for doing this, there'll be consequences for not, but the campaign will continue. I, I don't think there needs to be a predetermined solution at all. I would I agree. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah, fair. surprise me, be creative, or here's the consequences, and that's no part of the story, and we'll move on. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I uh, I think that was one of those scenarios, because I think the worst-case scenario in that situation was the Revenants killed her. They weren't after anyone else. Uh, honestly, none of us even got a little bit hurt during those fights, yeah. and we were all totally fine. It was just, they were annoying, uh, and it was really difficult to keep her alive, and it was worthless in the end, so... <laughs> Hey, man, I still loved Resident <laughs> Evil 4, despite that mechanic being the entire fucking game. Which part? The escort? <laughs> the escort, Yeah. Wow, this game would be really easy if you weren't dying all the time, Ashley. <laughs> uh, I think that's another thing. The Displacer Beast being big cats is a good way to kind of... Uh, you can make a move and you can really screw up your backline guys, your spellcasters, anybody who's got concentration. This is a very smart cat, so mm-hmm. it's going to target weaker people. Mm-hmm, it's going to want to yeah. drag the wizard into the forest and get a nice meal. It's not going to be... Tanking the Barbarian just for the sake of tanking the Barbarian. <laughs> right. Which is why, again, I think it'd be a really cool scenario to uh, to add some NPCs in. And maybe you, you let your uh, your party control them. And you go, here you go. Here's your... You each get two NPCs on this caravan. They have fighting abilities. They're weaker than you, but they're they're useful. And the Displacer Beasts come and just, like, 
bleh, murder everybody coming by. Ooh, there's rumors of displacer beasts in the forest. We need help getting through it, so we'll pay you 50 gold for each person who gets through the forest with you. Great. Perfect. There's a setup. <laughs> Your bodyguards. Yeah. Oh, I love the sociopathy. It's like, oh, yeah. You're Each one 50. of these meat You're bags 50. is 50 gold. <laughs> oh, that guy's head got ripped off. My 50 gold. <laughs> no, 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 no. Of course not. That's a little extreme. But no, uh, that's, but it's how we do approach it. We did that. You What's did that? that with, um, it was like a homebrewed quest you did in, uh, yes, Storm with, King's Thunder. With sheep. We, we literally, yeah, just, that's how you get a, around the morality of it. Oh, okay. The, yeah, gotcha. just bring sheep through the forest. <laughs> yeah. I think. It wasn't displacer beast, it was wolves, but. Right. I think that'd be a lot harder, uh, keeping a displacer beast away from a sheep, but, uh. <laughs> then a commoner? Uh, no, not a commoner. I'm uh, saying somebody who has fighting abilities, but we're like uh, a really okay. weak one. Like, okay. the, the bandit statistics. Could take a hit or two. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. sheep and just. Dead. But that way you can just see, like, you know, the first night they come in and just, like, murder somebody and then just drag them off. You know, and it's like, oh, God, this is going to happen again tomorrow night, isn't it? And then it happens again tomorrow night. And, you know, gives you time to prepare. I like that mm-hmm. idea of it. And also gives you, uh, I don't know, there, to to get on that again, I feel like there's not enough times to prepare for combat in D&D. And I really like what can come out of it when you do. Mm-hmm. Like, being able to ritual cast before a combat, it's like... You get all these awesome ritual spells that you're like, I'm never going to use that in in any scenario. Because, yeah, because I the need general to flavor is I'm sprinting through a dungeon I've never seen, fighting things I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when you do have a setup encounter, I think that is one of the most underutilized things in D&D. Yeah. yeah. The other way around it is having some sort of scouting, like Arcane Eye or Magic Eye, whatever it's called, having a really stealthy rogue go ahead and um, using a familiar to scout ahead. That can get you there, but that's usually not fun for the whole table because it's a lot of downtime. Whoever ha- is controlling the familiar or the Arcane Eye or whatever is getting to go through and scout and hear what the, hear where the rest of the table just sits there. It really, really slows things down. Right. Okay. I notice we don't do it. Like we've all, we, regular regularly have characters who could pull stuff like that off and we just don't do it it's been done i remember you guys were going through a dungeon and uh somebody had arcane eye and and threw it around and it was is fine it, it ruined some traps i had which you know yeah. that just happens right, i actually right. didn't know that you had arcane eye i remember that, that. was a warlock it was a warlock. you can't learn that spell but you can get it like unlimitedly if you're pick the right uh Invocation. Yeah, that sounds about right. Or you have the Pact of the Chain, and you have the Quasit Familiar, mm-hmm. who's invisible, morphed into a bat. Right, right. I think you use that a lot, <laughs> Yeah, too, I use yeah. that a lot. Right. Until it's... then, our previous DM had it killed by a roper. <laughs> oh, that was... he, he killed it with multiple, multiple things. Things. Yeah. Because Which he was sick of me running. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, I, it needs I get to happen. <laughs> but it, I think there is kind of a, an aversion to the rogue goes off and sneaks through and finds out what's ahead of us. Because... Uh, it does a split the party. B it's a little boring, and C I think a lot of DMs have a problem with they have this kind of like arrogance, like you don't get to know, right? This ha- this has to be a surprise. That's fun for my party, and it's not always fun for the party to be a s- surprised by shit all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think um, you know just even just talking about this, it hasn't come up much recently for me, but I can definitely see scenarios where you just kind of let somebody do that. You know they. Uh, scout ahead and they get a good stealth check so the things don't notice them and and maybe they see oh hey there's stuff up ahead they run back to their party and they go hey there's 
15 goblins up ahead. Uh, start casting your ritual spell right now. Uh, once it's ready, I'm going to go lead them here. I've got this trap set. Like, that's that's fun as a PC. You know, you get mm-hmm. to set a trap for them and kind of turn the tables a little bit. Uh, and I, I would love if that came up more often, but it just doesn't in, in our stuff. Um, it can, definitely can. We also, yeah. just, in our current party, we don't have anybody who I would think is a, a trapper of any sorts. We don't have, like, anyone who a cleric, who, a cleric somewhat yeah as we learned with that revenant thing <laughs> right. and then but paladin no nope but um, we have a wizard if she had the right spells learned to prepare and there's plenty of stuff <laughs> like that but oh man i know what's going on i'm gonna learn this oh wait i can't do she has a spell book that she needs to learn but we keep forgetting to mention that in our no it, it just came up I just, she the spells? Learned, yeah. yeah she yeah, just yeah, learned yeah. a couple of yeah. them there just is i mean there's good ones but like she could fly it uh, doesn't have access to that. Has to level up. Everybody, every every character should have fly. D and D five point one. <laughs> identical, but everyone has fly. Wait, but you can make five creatures fly. I thought with fly you can. Okay, so what is everyone? Need fly? Every oh, single creature in the realm has fly. So it's just like that's that's cool. It's man. like water world, but everybody's uh, in, in the, the air. air. Okay, it's air world. Okay. Do they still smoke cigarettes? Yes, they smoke cigarettes <laughs> in the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, back to the displays yeah, beast for one final thing. Okay. I would... Looking at this, there is a lot to modify. I've already said that I'd put a climb speed on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the final thing I'd add is some kind of uh, drag grapple spooky thing. And just like You were saying, oh, Pounce man, tech. John got... You know, dragged off in the forest. There's no mechanic there. Mm-hmm. But if he got like a big tentacle to the chest and got ripped into the trees, that'd be kind of cool, right? Oh, wow. Like they that. could just like sit in the trees and just like, whoosh, whoosh, just like yes, pull them up. Yeah. But not in the current incarnation. Yeah. How You'd would have you, to add that. How would you do that? I mean, that'd just be like There's like 19 monsters that have the ability to Roper like, would be a tentacle, good one to, Yeah. Yeah. Pull steal the from. Roper from it. Yeah. That's yeah. That'd be a really cool way to do it. I mean, it has piercing damage. Like it looks like its tentacle has teeth on it. Yeah. So it's perfectly set up. Honestly, it yeah. This is a very very modifiable monster. Me mm-hmm. yeah. I think uh, I don't think they've added anything, but this is the kind of thing where I, it should not be hard to make a very balanced quote unquote alpha displacement. I was just thinking that too. Yeah, that'd be yeah. great. You just up its health a little bit and add in some of those fun abilities, and it's going to town. That's great. Yeah. And, and something to um, control all their displacer beasts. Um, you see that a lot. Like, um, the ability, was, they can, if a displacer beast with is within eyesight, they could allow them to use their reaction immediately to make a melee attack or yeah. tentacle attack. Stuff like that. Yeah, that'd be cool. I like it all. It's, yeah. Cool. Um, Let's fight some displacer yeah. beasts, guys. Like in real right. life. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I want, this is one of those monsters I would love to have as a pet. I'm sure you would. You seem like the type of guy to have a displacer beast as a pet. It would also just like, you would be the person who's like, no, he's fine. I'm in control of this. <laughs> as he's just like opening up your fridge and eating steaks. And you're like, hey, those are mine. And he's like, Grr. that's it. <laughs> you're like, yeah, yours. That's <laughs> cool. Asshole. That's all right. Did <laughs> you steal my credit card to buy steaks again? I didn't buy those steaks. <laughs> you just see him in You line. don't have a job. He's in line at Heinen's just <laughs> pulling stuff off with his tentacles. <laughs> in the cart. <laughs> One can of Pringles. One! <laughs> he's, oh, man, his tentacles are too big to fit in the Pringle can. <laughs> Just rips it in half. It works. 
<laughs> the patrician way to eat Pringles, for the record, is to split it down the middle with a razor and eat them like out of it like a fine cheese and crackers. <laughs> um, that seems like a solid place to stop. Yeah. <laughs> so we uh, we screwed up. We never said who. This was Splicer a fan. Beast. Yeah, this was a fan this suggestion. Week, this week's uh, monster of the week was brought to you by T Hood Rippin. Yep. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Eddie. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. Um, give be, us a review. Yeah, give us a review. Make this quick, Kevin. We we can't. We don't have long. We already lost people. We're we just made a Google Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out they're shutting that down in a month, so uh, subscribe while you can. <laughs> oh, that's where we're going to give all of our extra juicy content. I, that's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks. It's been great. Next week on Monsters and Monsters. Join us next week as we discuss the Warlock Sorcerer multiclass and Hags Part 2.